Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out and make sure you subscribed. It's a beautiful day. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. We'll go to the drivehuber.com hotline and bring on Kevin Bowen from 107.5 The Fan KB. I actually, uh, for once in my life, had a good time watching that Colts game yesterday. That was kind of fun uh, watching them uh, win. Uh, what was it? Was it 34-27, the final score at Lucas Oil Stadium? What's your uh, overall view of what you saw out of the Colts yesterday? Yeah, certainly a different feeling than 12-9 on Thursday Night yeah. Football the week prior. <laughs> uh, you know, I think in general, guys, it's the best Colts fans should feel exiting Lucas Oil, exiting a Sunday on a, on a Monday all season long. Um, I thought there were some moments from Sunday that we just haven't seen this season. Um, your two biggest negatives, pass protection and turning the ball over. Uh, those things were nowhere to be found. You were very sound in protecting Matt Ryan. And then Ryan himself did a wonderful job of, you know, handling the no huddle, the quicker tempo. I thought that was a really smart decision by Frank Reich in trying to give this offense a jolt and help out the offensive line. Uh, and then when you need it the most, of course, you cashed in on a play to remember in, in Matt Ryan finding Alec Pierce for the game when he touched down. Yeah, he did settle awesome. for a long-distance field goal. Uh, but I thought that was a big play-to-win moment, not necessarily hope that, you know, Jacksonville would – or hope, I guess, that Chase McLaughlin would make the long field goal. You were trying to win the game at that moment. So I think there's a lot of stuff you can point to of like, okay, this is these are good signs. These are positive developments. And I don't feel like there were as many of those in the two previous wins. So, KB, what changed? Why was this week different than, say, Denver or the first Jacksonville game? Because we've all been pretty critical of Frank Reich, and I think that's been fair. Yesterday, it seemed like it was kind of a different philosophy from Frank. And to his credit, I thought it went really well yesterday. What's different? Yeah, well, let's start with the tempo and the no huddle. Um, basically, after that week two shutout in Jacksonville, I think Frank Reich reluctantly had to admit to himself, the Colts can't block Jacksonville. And with the offensive line performances in between, you know, the week two meeting down there, and then yesterday, they certainly didn't look like they were capable of blocking anybody, let alone a pretty good Jacksonville front. So, you know, Reich you know, said to himself a couple weeks ago, when we face Jacksonville again, we're going to have to go a little bit more up-tempo, a little bit more from a no-huddle standpoint uh, to try and kind of offset and help out what we're lacking right now in pass protection. Uh, and the results were great. The Colts had nine drives yesterday. Eight of those nine crossed the 50-yard line into Jacksonville territory. It was easily the most consistent they've moved it. And I thought what the no-huddle allowed them to do is, you know, and this was honestly going to be implemented before Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines were ruled out, the rushing offense hasn't been very good this season. And I thought it just helped a little bit of a quicker passing game to just kind of dink and dunk their way and stay out of those really devastating third and longs and just kind of methodically move their way down the field without the support of a run game. Yeah, I love Matt Ryan took to the air a lot. I mean, he was breaking passing records yesterday, right? So a lot yeah. more, we saw a lot more of uh, 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 passing out of Matt Ryan yesterday, I feel like. Yeah, 42 completions for him. That's a franchise record. So Jeez. that obviously is with some pretty rarefied air there. Um, the 58 attempts for him, I think, were the most since 2013. Um, so, yes, a vastly different approach. Um, 
And I thought it was critical to try and provide a little bit of a jolt. And early on, you know, you were down 14-3. It's not like you had instant success, but I thought you moved it early on. Uh, And I know the defense didn't play well, but I thought there was a key play in the second quarter where Tyquan Lewis sacked Trevor Lawrence on a third down. Uh, And that's when the Colts were down 14-3. They got a three and out. They got a stop. The offense finally put together a touchdown drive. They tacked on a field goal before half, and now it's 14-13. And I think when you look back at the first half, you felt pretty good about how the Colts ended that half, and then obviously they made enough plays in the second half. Kevin Bowen joining us from 107.5 The Fan. So let me be Debbie Downer here for just a moment, KB. Um, Should we pump the brakes a little bit on the ticker take parade? We're (laughs) acting like the Colts just won the Super Bowl. We beat the Jags at home. Like, aren't you supposed to beat the Jags at home? Uh, you are. Um, I will caution the Colts were also favored in their previous four divisional <laughs> games and did not win any of them. So baby steps uh, probably is how you would call it, Hammer. Yes, Jacksonville has not won a road AFC South game since December 2017. I mean, they are Jacksonville <laughs> for a reason. So, yes, I, I don't think anyone should start planning, you know, Georgia Street Parade, you know, the second <laughs> week of February or anything like that. But I will reiterate what I said earlier. Based off the Kansas City win and the Denver win, there is more positive elements to this victory than there were in the previous two. Granted, the bar was set pretty darn low in the previous two. I think something in particular about yesterday is, you know, if you look at passing offense, rushing offense, rushing defense, passing defense, like those four areas of the game, two on each side of the ball, I was most skeptical this season about the passing offense. And yesterday, they did the heavy lifting they carried a big, big burden because your defense didn't play great. Your run offense was pretty quiet. It was the passing offense that really carried it. Yes, you're going to face better competition. You're going to have to do it on the road. You can't throw it 58 times every week. Jacksonville's not on your schedule every single week. You know, all of those things are very true, but it was a step forward. Is it a giant step that erases everything from the first five weeks? No, but it was a step forward. It was a must-have divisional win. And now, frankly, you set up a massive one this Sunday in the AFC South with a trip down to Tennessee, who's a half game above you in the division. One more thing before we let you go here. Uh, Sam Ellinger was bumped up to the backup quarterback position this past week, leapfrogging Nick Foles. Um, What's up with that? Is this a way to motivate Matt Ryan? Or were the Colts trying to figure out some sort of packages to get like a running quarterback in the mix? Is this a knock on Nick Foles? What's your takeaway from uh, moving Sam Ellinger from the practice squad up to number two? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I think there's some owner influence behind this. I, I don't know if the Colts will come out and say that. But I do. Um, I, I, I think there's a little bit of that with this situation. I cannot see Frank Wright getting into a meeting last Monday and saying, um, we're going to bump Sam Ellinger up over the guy that I wrote the foreword to his book to, <laughs> Nick Foles, uh, based off what Sam Ellinger is doing as a scout team quarterback. I just, and, and you know, the Colts might disagree with me, but um, I think there are some whispers inside of that building that, Um, This is something that, you know, I don't know if the owner, you know, it's probably unfair to say he demanded this or he forced this, but I think there was some influence in that if Matt Ryan were to get hurt, if Matt Ryan were to, you know, continue to struggle, then they would like to see Ellinger. And let me be very clear about this. I like the move. I, I, I am of the belief if you have an aging quarterback, 
I don't need to see 33-year-old Nick Foles come in for a game or two. We know who Nick Foles is. I would rather play the younger guy because, you know, I, I probably always have one eye looking towards the future, so maybe I'm not totally accurate with that view. But that's how I look at backup. I know a lot of people think stopgap, a guy you can really trust on a short week, chaotic moment, all that. Yeah, that's fine and well. It's probably best for the short term. But, you know, when you've had the revolving door quarterback like this franchise has had, I don't think Sam Ellinger is the franchise QB by any means. But, you know, I've watched Nick Foles play in the NFL. I know who he is. I'd rather see the young guy get in there. So I I thought it was a really interesting move that the Colts made. Uh, And, again, I think a little bit of influence uh, from the owner definitely played into it. Where can we get more coverage? Yeah, 107.5thefan.com is where all of the written content is. And then myself, Kevin Bowen, and Jake Query, we are 7 to 10 each morning on our sister station, 107.5 The Fan. Kevin Bowen, 107.5 The Fan, KB, thank you. Yep, always enjoy, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Be sure to catch us every weekday, 3 to 7 on 93 WIBC, or subscribe and get it right to your phone.